welcome back to the report brought to you by the COVID-19 Literature Surveillance Team. I'm Will Smith, an EMS and emergency medicine physician in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I'm also a clinical assistant professor affiliated with the University of Washington and the co-founder of the COVID-19 Literature Surveillance Project. We are a group of physicians, medical students, PhDs, and others that are passionate about helping with the medical response during this COVID-19 pandemic. We are keeping up to date with the latest research on SARS-CoV-2 and the disease it causes, COVID-19. We bring you real-time data from the research to help guide best practices as the pandemic continues to unfold. For complete summaries and links to each article to review further, please visit our website at covid19lst.org. Here's Jasmine, my co-founder with today's episode. Thanks, Will. And on today's episode, we discuss a possible theory on why previously recovered patients are retesting positive, the utility of artificial intelligence and point-of-care ultrasound in diagnosing COVID-19 pneumonia, hematologic and inflammatory markers that may be useful in predicting severity of disease, and the growing evidence of dermatologic manifestations in COVID-19. So let's get started. In climate, individuals who smoke and chew tobacco are recommended to refrain from doing so publicly to decrease the chances of COVID-19 spread from coughing and spitting tobacco in public areas. A cross-sectional survey found that 25% of Chinese expats face various forms of discrimination and violent overreaction during the outbreak of COVID-19. Epidemiology A French study of 14 COVID-19 patients who developed skin lesions found that lesions could either be described as inflammatory or vascular. In addition, these dermatologists also reported large number of chilblain lesions in persons who had close contact with COVID-19 patients but exhibited no other symptoms, leading to speculation that in some people, rash may be the only symptom of COVID-19. A retrospective analysis of hematological data from 69 COVID-19 patients in Singapore found that lymphopenia, elevated LDH, and older age were associated with ICU admissions. There are growing concerns that discontinuation of antiviral therapy may be the reason why some recovered COVID-19 patients may be testing positive again. A patient in France who was admitted to the hospital for chest pain and fatigue without fever or respiratory symptoms were found to be positive for COVID-19, suggesting that myocarditis also may be the only presentation in certain cases. Understanding the pathology Some researchers are considering the use of 3D lung bud organoids derived from induced pluripotent stem cells as a possible model for ex vivo study of COVID-19. They hope that this can offer clinical translatability that other laboratory models may not provide. Preliminary gene and protein mapping found increased expressions of ACE2 correlated with better prognosis in COVID-19 positive patients with kidney renal papillary cell carcinoma and uterine corpus endometrial carcinoma. In transmission and prevention, Evaluation of 30 nursing homes in the United States found that 70% of essential long-term care workers felt obligated to come to work despite feeling sick. The sentiment likely contributes to the increased risk of transmission to this vulnerable population. In management, a retrospective study found that high CRP was associated with poor outcomes in COVID-19 patients and thus could be used as a risk-stratifying marker. 
Another retrospective cohort study found that artificial intelligence significantly improved the performance of distinguishing chest CT scans of COVID-19 pneumonia from non-COVID-19 pneumonia when compared to radiologists. A new method for percutaneous tracheostomy, where the bronchoscope is positioned next to, rather than inside the ET tube, was demonstrated to be safe for 98 COVID-19 patients and may mitigate viral aerosolization during these procedures. More data is needed for managing renal transplant recipients infected with SARS-CoV-2, but current recommendations are to avoid corticosteroids in severe disease. The International Society of Infectious Disease and Obstetrics and Gynecology has published guidelines on how to diagnose, treat, manage, and protect SARS-CoV-2-infected pregnant patients. Furthermore, a case series found that lung ultrasounds may be more sensitive than chest x-rays at detected COVID-19 in pregnant women. Adjusting practice during COVID-19. There are warnings not to make rash medical decisions about medication and COVID-19 risk before there is evidence. Specifically, dermatologists urge that there is insufficient evidence about psoriasis medications and their risk of increased COVID-19, and they argue that they may instead be protective against COVID-19-induced cytokine storms. Guidelines have recently been developed in the following areas. Treatment strategy and PPE recommendations for acute MIs perioperative considerations during emergency general surgery, management of swallowing disorders and recent dysphonia, and thyroid surgery. Experts suggest that fibrolytic therapy can be an effective alternative to percutaneous coronary intervention during the pandemic, providing a treatment option that is less time and personnel intensive. However, Two directors of cardiac cath lab stressed that percutaneous coronary intervention is still the best option for reperfusion in suspected STEMIs. A database review for topical agents used against coronaviruses found that povidone iodine has the potential for reducing viral load aerosolization during upper airway surgery. A report of Everlimus toxicity in a transplant patient treated with chloroquine, lopinavir, and ritonavir highlights the importance of drug-drug interaction awareness during the COVID-19 pandemic. In diagnosis and treatments, an intention-to-treat randomized control trial studied the effect of two doses of chloroquine diphosphate as an adjuvant therapy in 81 inpatients suspected or confirmed of having COVID-19. The recommendation was against the high-dose regimen of 600 milligrams. The low statistical power of the study prevented conclusions on overall chloroquine diphosphate safety or efficacy. In mental health and resilience, experts are calling for better psychological preparedness for traumatic events, as well as reducing stigma and repercussions for seeking help. A recent study found over 10% of people returning to work in China during the pandemic met the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. And lastly, a silver lining. Experts argue that the widespread contact tracing that has been implemented for COVID-19 may provide a unique opportunity to also conduct widespread HIV testing to address two epidemics at once. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Continue to stay informed. Read less and do more with COVID19LST.org. Thank you for listening to today's episode brought to you by the COVID-19 Literature Surveillance Team. We really appreciate your support and value your feedback. We would love to hear from you by email at contact at covid 
COVID19LST.org. Or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at COVID19LST. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a like or share with a friend so that we can continue to support the healthcare community in maintaining a pulse on this rapidly changing situation. 